This is the Battle Gorilla Lego Podcast, Episode 11, Clone Bricks Exposed, The Pros and Cons of Alternative Lego. The secret title of today's episode is Clones, Counterfeits, and the Slippery Slope. Lego is an expensive hobby. Actually, in today's economy, every hobby is expensive, but that's beside the point. Wouldn't it be nice if you could buy inexpensive bricks that were still high quality? Well, you can't. You've got to pick one or the other. Today's episode is about the world of clone bricks. It's also about the slippery slope between being a Lego purist and some sort of brick-building renegade. The Disclaimer Lego is a trademark of the Lego Group of Companies, which does not sponsor authorize, or endorse this podcast. Are you ready to listen to the world's number one Lego podcast recorded in my apartment? Podcasting is awesome, especially when it's about the Lego fancy. Podcasting is awesome. Welcome to the Battle Gorilla Lego Podcast. My name is Mike Sneathan. I'm your host. Let's get right into it. I know that for a lot of AFOLs growing up, there was always a question, a choice. And it wasn't even your choice. It was the choice of whoever was buying your toys. Lego or Mega Blocks? Earlier than that, the choice would have been Lego or Tyco Super Blocks. I never had to deal with the result of that choice. The reason for that, and I've mentioned this on the podcast before, is that I got my first Lego set on Christmas morning, 1977. Why this is significant is because LEGO's U.S. patent did not expire until 1978. And surprisingly, it took another six years for the first American-produced clone bricks to hit the market, those being Tyco Superblocks in 1984. So, back then, prior to 1984, if your kid was into LEGO, you got them LEGO. There wasn't another option. There weren't clone bricks available. Getting back to Tyco Superblocks, their product was roughly equivalent to Lego, with the very weird exception that their plates were half a brick high instead of Lego's standard one-third, which meant that if you were building something using a combination of Lego bricks and Tyco blocks, you were probably going to end up doing math. And not just any old math, the addition and subtraction of fractions. The Tycho Blocks ad campaign was basically, Our product is exactly like Lego's, but since Lego's product is way more expensive, you should buy ours instead. One of their print ads showed a shape made, purportedly, from a mixture of Lego and Tycho, with the caption, If you can't tell the difference... Why are you paying more for Lego? 
Needless to say, the Lego group was not pleased with any part of this. Not the ads, not the existence of the competing product, none of it. So, Lego took them to court. The judge ruled that, since Lego's U.S. patent had indeed expired, Tyco was well within its rights to manufacture and sell clone bricks. The judge also ruled that Tyco could no longer advertise its product as being identical to Lego but cheaper. And they had to stop using Lego's logo on their packaging without also stating that the product had no affiliation with the Lego group. When Tyco Superblocks were first hitting store shelves, a Canadian company called Megablocks was shopping their product around at industry toy fairs, lining up buyers. At that time, Megablocks was not considered a competitor to Lego, as their plastic building blocks were much larger than Lego, larger even than Duplo, and were intended for toddlers. But in 1991, they introduced Megablocks Micro, which were cheap copies of Lego's product. Lego took them to court too, but was unable to legally prevent them from pursuing their cloning shenanigans. When I first became aware of Megablocks, I looked into their product, but didn't hear anything good about it. It was theorized that the company had poor quality control and packaged a lot of their bricks that should have been rejected for not being within whatever parameters a plastic building brick should be. Building with Megablocks left you with tiny gaps where the bricks didn't always fit together as perfectly as Lego always had. The decision I came to was basically, nope, not for me, I'll stick with Lego thanks. But then in 2003, Megablocks picked up the license to produce Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle sets. This was a full decade before Lego licensed the characters. I have purchased a grand total of three Megablock sets in my life. One of those aforementioned TMNT sets for my brother as a birthday gift. One Call of Duty set for my friend Dennis for Christmas one year. And as much as it pains me to admit, I bought one very small set for myself when Megablocks had the license to make sets based on the Fantastic Four movie. I wanted a minifigure of the thing so badly that I thought I might be able to settle for one that was produced by Megablocks. I bought it, opened it, looked at the thing figure, and realized that I had wasted my money on the world's ugliest superhero figure. Lesson learned. Tyco Superblocks and Megablocks Micro were the first two producers of clone brick in North America. But before long, clone bricks became a worldwide epidemic, infecting the entirety of our poor planet with substandard plastic building bricks. At some point during the mid-90s, I was walking through Walmart, and a small, cube-shaped, black-and-white cardboard box caught my attention. According to the very generic-looking text plastered across the package, the name of this product was Blocks by the Pound. One pound of plastic building blocks. There was a clear plastic window on the side of the box, 
through which you could see clone bricks. Now, at this point in my life, I hadn't yet formed a solid opinion on whether I was simply opposed to megablocks or if all clone bricks belonged on the do not buy list. This one pound box of clone bricks was priced at just under $5. I thought to myself, what have I got to lose? Maybe these basic bricks will be comparable to Lego bricks, and I can buy myself pound after pound of structural brick, and then still buy Lego sets for their more unique elements and the minifigures and such. So I bought a box. I got it home, opened the box up, reached in and pulled out a brick, and then said, Oh, well, that's not what I want at all. I've given some thought over the past few days about how to describe these plastic blocks. And this is the best I've been able to come up with as a description. If you accept the terminology that Lego bricks are made of a hard plastic, then blocks by the pound were made of not necessarily soft plastic, but certainly no higher on that scale than the low end of medium. The blocks were almost medium plastic. You could grab a block between your thumb and forefinger and squeeze it. The walls of that block would bend just as far as the amount of force you put into it. Once I had finished amusing myself by squeezing the block, I put it back with the rest of those blocks, closed the box back up, and set it off to the side where I intended to never ever interface with it again. It sat there, untouched, for several months, and then eventually my friend Mike Reinch, this is the same Mike Reinch responsible for creating this podcast's intro and outro themes, had come over and made the decision that you couldn't have bricks and not build something with them. I told him that he should feel free to build something with them if he wanted, and later that afternoon, he had used every single almost medium plastic clone brick from that box, the whole pound of blocks, to build the tower. And those blocks retained that tower shape for as long as I was aware of them. I've moved twice since then, and have no idea what actually happened to that tower. The blocks by the pound tower's ultimate fate remains a mystery to this day. It wasn't long after the disappointing Blocks by the Pound incident that I started referring to myself as a Lego snob. I liked Lego. I liked Lego bricks. I liked Lego minifigures. I liked Lego sets. Lego's competitors? Not so much. Clone bricks? Not at all. I was a Lego or nothing kind of guy. I recognized that was a form of snobbery, and I was completely at ease with that. Lego snob, that was me. Once I discovered the Lego online fan community and began using some of their terminology, I discovered that there was an actual term for what I was, and it wasn't Lego snob. I was not a Lego snob. I was a Lego purist. And I thought, yeah, purist makes more sense than snob. More than just meaning that Lego is better than clone brands, more than just an 
almost implied Lego builders are better than clone brick builders. The purist label wasn't so much my bricks are better than your bricks as it was my bricks are perfect and I shall do nothing to sully or contaminate that perfection. But with the word purist, there also came an understanding that when you built your mock, you use Lego exclusively, adding nothing non-Lego to it. And I thought, yeah, that makes sense too. But this was very early in my journey into the Lego fan community, and there were many things I didn't yet know. Just as an example, I was unaware that there were third-party manufacturers creating minifigure-scale weapons and accessories that LEGO wasn't making. The LEGO group has an often-stated belief that war is not something children should use as a subject for play, so LEGO restricts the weapons they allow their minifigures to use. Castle had its swords and crossbows, Western had shotguns and revolvers, And then there's Star Wars, which, as a licensed property, is a whole other thing following its own rules. But the real-life technology that are the tools of modern warfare? That's not something LEGO is willing to make. Which is probably why there are many clone brick companies selling military sets. Whether LEGO acknowledges it or not, there is a market for it. Now, I understood the Lego group not wanting kids to use their product to play war games. The problem was that I wasn't a kid. I was an adult fan of Lego. And because of that, there were times when the minifigures occupying my mocks needed guns. Which was what led me to discover Brick Arms. Brick Arms is the company that manufactures what are arguably the best minifigure scale modern weapons you can get. And Brick Arms was the first in a domino chain of third-party accessory discoveries. Brick Forge, Brick Warriors, Brick Tactical, other companies that began with the word brick. Companies like Citizen Brick, Custom Brick, and Crazy Bricks, who put the word brick at the end of their company's name. And then there's Eclipse Graphics, who doesn't even have the word brick in their name, which I'm not even sure is legal. Anyway, I found myself buying accessories from those companies and outfitting my minifigures with them. Weapons, equipment, armor, helmets, and so on. I amended my label from purist to mostly purist. Only Lego, but also third-party minifigure accessories someone offered me the explanation slash justification that companies like Megablocks were selling a product meant to be used in place of Lego, while companies like Brick Arms, which were typically owned and operated by AFOLs, were selling a product meant to augment Lego. As time passed, I kept finding more things that I wanted that Lego wasn't producing, and then discovering that some of those things were available just not from Lego. High up on this list were minifigures that Lego hadn't gotten around to making yet, and that's assuming that they eventually would. I found a website showing custom minifigures created by AFOLs with lots of expertise in minifigure customization. 
Some of these artists were even selling their customs, but at very high prices that I couldn't bring myself to pay. The majority of these figures started out as all 100% Lego parts, and then had had details added to them with water slide decals, or paint, or printing. If I won the lottery, I told myself, I could buy up a bunch of those figures. I mean, they are Lego parts. That little bit of cosmetic addition doesn't make them non-Lego, right? The slope I found myself standing on was beginning to get slippery, and I didn't even notice. In 2014, LEGO released their first Ghostbusters set, the Ecto-1. The Ecto-1 came with all four original Ghostbusters, and those Ghostbusters all had brick-built proton packs. I was not a fan of those proton packs. Would I have liked them more had I not already purchased a set of four molded accessories from Brickforge that were one-piece, minifigure-scale reproductions of the classic Proton Pack? Maybe. Okay, probably. But I don't think I ever attached any of the official brick-built packs to the Ghostbuster minifigures. Those packs went back into the box, and it was my preferred third-party packs that the Ghostbusters minifigures ended up wearing. As a huge Ghostbusters fan... I ordered those accessories as soon as I saw them on the Brickforge website. This would have been long before the release of the Ecto-1 set. So, they were designed to offer AFOLs an accessory that LEGO didn't make. But now, I was using them to replace an actual official LEGO build. Did this align with LEGO purist values? Did it even align with mostly purist values? These thoughts occurred to me, and I opted not to dwell on them. Then one day, while looking online at custom minifigures, I discovered the expansive world of Chinese knockoff minifigures. I didn't like clone bricks. I certainly didn't build with clone bricks. But these weren't even clones of Lego products. These were straight-up counterfeit Lego. Cheaper plastic a few subtle and shoddy design differences, but manufactured with the intent of having you purchase this inexpensive Spider-Man or Batman minifigure instead of the legitimate Lego minifigure of those characters that looked exactly the same. Well, there's certainly no way I'd ever own any of those hideous things, I declared, planting my feet firmly upon a slope I hadn't yet noticed the increased slipperiness of. That remained my stance right up until I discovered that Chinese companies were making not just counterfeit versions of LEGO superhero minifigures, but also some minifigures of superheroes that LEGO hadn't made yet. And as I sat there at my computer, looking at a set of Fantastic Four Chinese knockoff minifigures, a massive conflict began to rage within my brain. The Chinese counterfeit minifigure market had Fantastic Four figures, and I didn't. I was the superhero's theme coordinator for the Bricks Cascade convention, and I didn't have any Fantastic Four minifigures. So, 
I made the decision. I realized that what I was about to do was as non-purist as it was possible to get, but I figured this was a one-time exemption to my personal rules. I couldn't not buy a set of Fantastic Four minifigures. And I'd also like to point out that as I sit here telling this story, Lego has still not produced any Fantastic Four minifigures. Everyone is assuming that they will once the MCU Fantastic Four movie hits theaters. But right now, that's still a ways off. I found a store online that sold those counterfeit figures, and I ordered myself the Fantastic Four, and reminded myself that it was a one-time thing, and that I wouldn't ever buy another counterfeit minifigure ever. Except, as it turned out, a few months later, for Doctor Strange. And then Daredevil. And a ridiculously out-of-scale minifigure of Galactus. And, well, suffice to say, I ended up buying quite a few Chinese knockoff superhero minifigures. But only figures that LEGO wasn't making themselves. It didn't even occur to me to make myself the promise that I wouldn't buy counterfeit versions of existing LEGO figures. Because obviously, of course that's not something I would ever do. But then... Then a Chinese company started producing copies of the San Diego Comic-Con exclusive figures. The ones that had incredibly limited runs and were going for hundreds, sometimes over a thousand dollars on eBay. These were figures that I'd already complained about Lego not producing in sufficient quantity to satisfy the demand for them. Huh. Now I'm having flashbacks to last week's episode about the Lego goat. Interesting. Anyway, I ended up purchasing counterfeit figures of Bizarro, Shazam, the Batman of Zer and R, and the Jean Grey Phoenix. All reproductions of San Diego Comic-Con exclusive figures. None of those Chinese knockoff figures were really good quality. They looked fine, but the plastic and their construction methods were subpar at best. But that didn't stop me from using them in superhero mocks I displayed at conventions. Because there were some mocks that, without including those specific characters, there wouldn't be a purpose in building it. So that slippery slope just kept getting slipperier and slipperier. Looking back, I can see a turning point in the whole purist self-identification. It was the first day of Brick's Cascade, and I was setting up mocks, including a really small mock that I'd only started building the night before. I mentioned buying a knockoff figure of Galactus. Galactus is a cosmic entity in the Marvel Universe that goes around destroying planets and consuming that released energy to sustain himself. The accepted shorthand for this is simply, Galactus Eats Planets. Lego had recently started producing a special series of Star Wars sets that had decided that proper scale was no longer anything to worry about. Each of these sets included the parts to build a spaceship, it included a minifigure, and it included two half-spheres, about 13 studs in diameter, that connected together to become a planet from the Star Wars mythos. 
Tatooine, Naboo, etc. So obviously, what I had to do was build Galactus a chair to sit in, put a knife and fork from a friend's set in his hands, and then set the planet in front of him and title the mock Lunchtime for Galactus. I built a base for the planet to sit on, but I didn't have a way to connect the studs on the interchangeable top-slash-bottom of the planet to that base. What I needed was a piece that had no studs, but the anti-studs to click studs into on both sides. There was actually a purist solution to my dilemma. 2x2 jumper plate connected by a 2x2 round tile with a hole in the center. The top of both those pieces face each other so that the bottom of those pieces were usable on either side. Unfortunately, the 2x2 round tile with hole was a brand new piece I hadn't seen yet. I didn't know it even existed. So as I'm standing there staring at this half-assembled mock, no doubt looking somewhat perplexed, my friend Kyle comes over and asks, what's going on? I explain my current dilemma to him, and he says, yeah, okay, hang on, wait here. And then he goes over to the table where he's been setting up his stuff and spends a minute digging around in the bin of miscellaneous parts that accompanies him to conventions. When he returns to me, he hands me a part and says, is this what you need? And it was exactly what I needed. One part, two by two, about the width of a plate, maybe a little thicker, but if so, not much. No studs, but places to connect studs on both sides. My very first thought is that as soon as I get back home, I'm ordering a bunch of these from Bricklink. I tell him that the part is fantastic, and I ask what set it's in, because I've never seen this before. He then very casually informs me that it's actually a megablock piece. And once again, I had a tiny little war going on inside my head between purity and convenience. But that war did not rage for very long, and soon I was displaying a mock that included a Chinese knockoff minifigure and a megablock part. Kyle, I have discovered, is in no way, shape, or form an adherent to the notion of purism in Lego. Kyle builds what Kyle wants to build, using whatever parts will allow him to do so. Lego? Fine. Megablock? Fine. Piece that only exists because he took some tools to a different part and turned it into what he needed? Also fine. Being friends with someone that has that specific attitude toward building has aided in the slow erosion of my purist belief system. Somewhere around 2016, a Chinese company called Lepin became rapidly notorious for their counterfeits. Lepin didn't stop at counterfeiting minifigures. No, Lepin began counterfeiting entire Lego sets, completely replicating official Lego sets brick by poor quality brick. These sets were identical to the point that you could use the official Lego manual to build the model from the bricks in the counterfeit set with no errors. Oh, horrible quality. But other than that, exact. Levin also decided that, as long as they were ripping off Lego anyway, they might as well also rip off some of their fans too. They started finding some of the better mocks posted online, 
reverse engineering them, and selling commercial sets of those mocks, giving neither credit nor royalties to those mocks designers. Lego took Lepin to court, and eventually the Chinese authorities shut Lepin down. So Lepin no longer exists, which isn't to say that Chinese-produced counterfeit Lego sets aren't still in production, they just aren't operating under the name Lepin at the moment. So, where am I currently with regards to the slippery slope of Lego purism? I can sum it up in seven words. A seven-word phrase very well known among people from my generation. I've fallen, and I can't get up. I am lying on the ground at the very bottom of that slope. And I've been there ever since the one-two punch of the special needs trust running out of money and the massive rent increase that I talked about in this podcast's first episode. Every day, I get closer and closer to ordering myself some clone bricks. I'd been hearing good things about a company called WeBrick that is supposedly producing high-quality clone bricks. I've heard about their website where you can basically upload a list of the various bricks you need to build the mock you have in mind, and they'll sell you whatever they have in stock that's on that list. One-stop shopping. So one day, I was looking at their website thinking, what if? And I realized that their 2x4 bricks were priced differently depending on their color. I've had a mock in mind for a while now, that includes a number of buildings that are all several stories tall. And I've been attempting to collect large quantities of 2x4 brick for this purpose, usually from the yearly lug bulk order. I desperately want one of those buildings to be dark orange, as dark orange is my favorite Lego color. Unfortunately, the Lego dark orange 2x4 brick was only available in five different sets throughout LEGO's history. As such, it is fairly expensive on the secondary market, and has never been offered as an option for lug bulk. The average price on BrickLink over the past six months for a single, used, dark orange 2x4 brick is 79 cents. The average price for a new brick? $1.22. The wee brick price for a brand new dark orange 2x4 clone brick is 17 cents. Is 2004 going to be the year that I break down and switch to clone bricks for financial reasons? Maybe, yeah. Okay, as I stated at the beginning of this episode, we are now at episode 11, which means it's finally time to deal with the giveaway. 10 Battle Gorilla Lego Podcast swag packs that you've been given the chance to win at the end of every episode thus far. Just to recap, to enter the giveaway, you needed to leave a review of the podcast wherever you got it from, Spotify, Apple, Google, etc. Then you needed to grab a screenshot of that review and post it on Instagram with the hashtag Battle Gorilla so that I could find it. Simple. Easy. So week by week, I've been keeping a list of the people who have done this by searching hashtag Battle Gorilla on Instagram. 
And so far, the number of entrants to this giveaway are zero. I ran a promotional giveaway for this podcast that nobody entered, which I find somewhat curious. So I will be taking some time to think about what I'm going to actually do with these 10 Battle Gorilla Lego podcast swag packs. Okay, that wraps up this episode. Be sure and catch next week's episode, where I'll be talking about the convergence of Lego and adult beverages, and exactly what happens when you announce that you'll be holding a gathering of Lego fans at a bar. The podcast's intro and outro themes, Podcasting is Awesome, inspired by Tegan and Sarah's Everything is Awesome, and Ode to Gibberish, were created by Michael Reinch. I think I just closed Pandora's box And I want to know if you could punch a sucker How else would you know that I've done everything Except any of it You can have your bald eagle afraid of fire And you can eat it too And there could be so much joy And I want my libido well How else, I mean Wish me luck on the prayers for junk food And 